the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Monday, May 16th, 2022. I um, Just a few directional things. I'll be giving my monologue at the top of the third hour. It's going to be an in-depth examination of my views and what I think are the right views about how to look at what transpired, what took place. Transpires the wrong word. What took place, the massacre that took place in Buffalo over the weekend. I'll, I'll be speaking a little bit about that throughout the show as well. Brandon Weikert, who usually joins us on foreign policy and some domestic policy, is going to be tomorrow. Uh, today, instead, I want to focus on a few different af- uh, a few different effects and a few different angles on how to look at Buffalo. So Mark Bauerlein, Professor Mark Bauerlein, will be our guest at the top of the second hour talking about that. And then we'll have Andy McCarthy as well, former prosecutor. We'll look at it educationally. We'll look at it socially, sociologically, and we will look at it legally. If you have thoughts, welcome to take your calls as well, 602-508-0960. On other news fronts, uh, boy, I do want to return to the Buffalo thing in a moment, given the news. But on other news fronts, there were 234,088 illegal migrants encountered at the southern border last month. That's the highest number in Department of Homeland Security history, over 234,000. 118,000 were released in to the United States last month. Think about that. 96,000 were expelled under Title 42. That's what's going to disappear per the Biden administration. Think about that. Think about all of that. How much news does that make? How much news is this going to make? Boy, this is interesting, too. New survey, new poll put out by NBC NBC summary of table images, positive, negative, and they do um, ten institutions. No, eleven institutions or people. Do you have a positive view of them or a negative view of them? And the uh, the institutions and people are Vladimir Zelensky, the Disney Corporation, Ron DeSantis, the United States Supreme Court, the Republican Party, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Kamala Harris, and the Democratic Party. Guess who? has the lowest positives, the lowest of all of those. Kamala Harris and the Democratic Party at 31 percent positive. Think about that. Joe Biden and the Republican Party are at 37 and 35 respectively. But the Democratic Party is less popular than Donald Trump, who sits at 36 percent. Margin of error with Joe Biden. Think about that. The two most unpopular, the two least positive institutions or people in this country today are Kamala Harris and the Democratic Party, followed by Joe Biden. 
whose numbers are the same as Donald Trump's, but whose numbers are better than the Democratic parties. <laughs> Someone, someone's going to call in and say, yeah, well, Donald Trump ought to form his own party <laughs> and just run that. No, let's not go that route. I still believe that you don't end big, important things at the snap of a finger or immediately or without a lot of consideration. Also playing with this theory, you know, I, I adore my professor, Charles Kessler from Claremont, who's the editor of the Claremont Review of Books as well. And I've adored him ever since I met him uh, back in the 80s. But I've noticed this thing about public intellectuals, particularly um, in the professoriate. They really seem to hit their stride in their 60s and beyond, in their 60s and beyond. And I don't know if I'm right about that, and I don't even know <laughs> if there's something to it. Maybe, maybe it means I'll have a better show in 10 years. I don't know if it's true, if it holds out that way. But I noticed this about a lot of public intellectuals I've interacted with and known for years. In their 60s is when they are firing on all pins. And his opening in the brand new Claremont Review of Books is something I want to share with you. I think it's just that good. He writes that Lenin allegedly said there are decades when nothing happens and there are weeks when decades happen. That's, that's something Bill likes. Yeah, I could tell Bill would like that. There are decades when nothing happens and there are weeks when decades happen. He was supposedly discussing the Bolshevik Revolution, but the same could be applied to America's growing turmoil at home, too. After almost half a century of doing nothing in the abortion wars. The recent leak from the Supreme Court suggests that within a month or two, a major legal breakthrough may occur. The lines long established by Roe v. Wade in 1973 may be, in fact, penetrated and overthrown. Just how much of a revolution this will be remains to be seen. Justice Alito's draft opinion would strike down Roe's nationwide regime of permissive abortion rules, but rather than erecting a contrary regime, would basically return the question of regulation to the states. The abortion lobby will insist that resurgent federalism is a new and contrary regime. For five decades, America abortion law has been set by the Supreme Court. The people's representatives had almost nothing to do with it and nothing to say about it. The idea that the people of each state making their own laws and arrangements might choose their own abortion statutes is a breath of fresh democratic air and might even be called revolutionary had not state governments been preparing for this moment for years. States like Utah and Mississippi to tighten their restrictions, California and New York to loosen theirs in order to become abortion sanctuaries. Liberals believe somewhat quaintly that they command the moral high ground in American politics. We've talked about this as opinion or opinion principle hierarchy. They define that high ground as a series of ever-expanding doctrines of rights designed to liberate minority groups whom they consider unpopular and oppressed. Most recently, for example, the transgendered but not high-scoring Asian-American students whom they seem to consider oppressive, not oppressed, and thus rightly unpopular. Same with Jewish Americans. The right to abortion liberals consider the holiest of holies because this is both a socioeconomic and an identity right. Spanning racial and ethnic minorities, the poor, women, and especially white single women, a key constituency of the Democratic Party. It is only a matter of time before transgender abortions become the rage, isn't it? There is something, too, about the very unnaturalness of abortion that is unattractive. 
um, in politics, but seen as attractive by the wrong point of view, particularly when it's celebrated as a right of which recipients ought to be proud. It was 30 years ago when liberals like Bill Clinton took the position that abortion is basically a necessary evil and should be safe, legal, and rare. That was his brilliant way to put that issue to rest. And by the way, his wife, Hillary Clinton, used that same construction up until and through her presidential campaign of 2008. We'll come back to how that changed. But safe, legal, and rare was the mantra. Neither he nor any other recent Democratic president would dare now take that position. They can't say that anymore. The rights revolution of the past half century were mostly secured by liberal judges, handing down what they held as epic decisions and by helpful bureaucrats writing and applying regulations based on those holdings. Those epic opinions were often a muddle, none more so than Roe v. Wade, as even its candid supporters admitted. It's a very bad decision, wrote John Hart Eli, a Yale law professor and former clerk to Chief Justice Warren, because it is not constitutional law, he wrote, and gives almost no sense of an obligation to even trying to be. As we've said, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the 1970s led the ACLU's Women's Rights Project. She supported the outcome but criticized the opinion for the rest of of her life. It went too far, she said. In the draft opinion smuggled out of the court, Alito pronounced nothing controversial when he noted that Rose, quote, reasoning was exceptionally weak, close quote. He could cite to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, paradoxically, its very weakness as legal doctrine encouraged a fanatical political devotion to it. Let me pause on that. Isn't that the interesting thing? It was the weak constitutional reliance on it that drove the political devotion to it. And the political devotion to it was so serious that what? That what? They don't want this issue subjected to democratic politics or even Republican form of government democratic politics. Isn't that interesting? We'll say more about that in a few moments, too question I've had all day, really since yesterday, is the manifesto of this uh, of this uh, of this uh, shooter, alleged shooter in Buffalo, the manifesto and its inavailability. Usually I'm against the availability of these things. Am I right this time? Because this time I have doubts for a lot of reasons as to whether it should be available or not. I'm beginning to think it might need to be. Let me know your thoughts as well. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, by the way, uh, one of the reasons uh, one of the reasons I uh, have second thoughts about not releasing the manifesto of this uh, alleged shooter from Buffalo. One of the reasons is because of the way the media has handled it, and I'll I'll plug into that issue with Andy McCarthy a little bit too when we talk to him a little bit later. But when you have the Rolling Stone put out a headline that says the Buffalo shooter isn't a lone wolf, he's a mainstream Republican. He's a mainstream Republican. Who do you who who where does your mind go? And where does your mind have to be 
to think like that? And what kind of violence and what kind of expectations are you sending, initiating, catalyzing, implanting with a headline like that? Honest to God, what what are you thinking when you do that? Rolling Stone uh, has a history of um, of being highly irresponsible on these kinds of things. Do you remember the Boston Marathon bomber uh, Tsarnaev, Zohar Tsarnaev? They put him on the cover, Zohar Tsarnaev, and it was considered um, terrorism chic. It was you know the most innocent picture they could find of him. A picture that took some work to find, the most innocent picture they could find of him, and they titled on the front cover the piece, they, they called it Johar's World. Johar's World. That was his cute nickname. They used his cute nickname. They made, they, they, they made him um, an idol. They made of him an idol, Rolling Stone did. It's not really much different, quite honestly, than what other social and cultural magazines do that people just think it's so important to be on the cover of. I mean, songs are written about being on the covers of these magazines. How about Vogue? Do you remember Vogue highlighting the wife of, uh, of Assad, Asma al-Assad, and, and, and the beautiful profile they did of her and her house and her surroundings and how she's keeping, you know, the world together from her palace in Syria? This the family of man. It would be like it would be like a cover of Time or an issue of Time magazine in uh, I don't know nineteen thirty eight, thirty nine, forty, forty one. You pick any year between nineteen thirty three and nineteen forty five. It'd be like Time magazine doing a promotion and a glamour shot of Eva Brown, Eva Brown, something like that. It's humiliating to live in a world where the high culture thinks of us human beings that way and evil that way. As long as you look good, as long as you dress well, as long as you appear European in the Middle East or innocent in Boston, though you're from Europe, then we're going to make of you a classically archetypal good-looking person that others will look up to. We are going to give a golden scepter of credibility and decency to you when you are uncredible and indecent. When we talk about the elite culture being against the traditional norms and ethics of most Americans, this is what I'm talking about. It's this view. It's the view from Vogue. It's the view from Rolling Stone. It's the view from the mainstream media organizations that take a terrible failure of levels and levels of education and child rearing and psychiatry and law enforcement. Failures. Failures on all these levels at all these levels that leads to a massacre and they politicize it beyond any possible recognition So, of, of truth. So yes... I do think in this case we need to see this manifesto. Now, I will tell you um, through hook and crook, I got my hands on it. I got my hands on it. I can't do much with it. 
the moment you put it up anywhere, whether on a social media platform or, you know, even try and make a, a hot link of it and put is that the right way to say it? Make a make a make make an internet link to it, a web based link to it and put it up, it gets taken down from the censors. And again, I understood that, but not today I don't. Not today when the media, when the mass media, when the elite and high culture and the default Democrat Party, which is the default opinion principle hierarchy in this country, not when they're distorting it, not when they're not reporting on the full manifesto so that it can be waged for partisan purposes. That's why I think we should see it. And I think, too, it's kind of an easy out. Maybe easy isn't the right word, but it's an out for law enforcement, education, psychiatry, and child rearing to do its job, its job, which is to prevent violence, mass violence. We've become inured and numb to it, except in certain circumstances, haven't we? No one cares. No one cares about the multiple deaths that happen every weekend in cities like Oakland or Chicago or Philadelphia or Detroit. Multiple killings of people of the same race that were killed in Buffalo. They don't care about it anymore. They've become numb to it because we've kind of taken a back seat, which is the real racism in this country, as if some of these lives matter and some of them don't. That one comes from a disturbed mentality and one comes from a violent young person should make no difference or distinction. It doesn't to the dead and it doesn't to the family members of those dead or the friends of those dead. It shouldn't matter. It should all be treated the same. Awful, horrible for what it is. And we should talk finally about what we can do to prevent it, not what we can do to excuse it. That's the talk. How do you excuse it? How do you justify it? How do you weaponize it against a political party? That's the talk that's dominant, and that's the talk that's sick. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is time for our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. He is the president of founder and founder of that company, and his website is grandcanyonplanning.com. He, um, he also has his own radio show here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. The word on, well, I think of John Dombrowski uh, a lot of different ways. One of them is like that old Radio Shack ad. You've got questions, he's got answers. How are you, John? <laughs> well, thank you, Seth. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm fine, sir. I'm fine. Thank you. Now, there are a couple questions I have on a couple <laughs> stories right. hitting today, and I'd love to run them by you. Uh, this one, uh, Yahoo Finance, inflation declined to be delayed due to high corporate pricing power. Inflation decline to be delayed. Okay, Mm -hmm. I get what that means. High corporate pricing power. Talk to me about that part. So, you know, one of the interesting parts about uh, inflation as we're starting to see, or the cost of goods maybe increasing, is is that companies that sell products, goods or services, whatever it is, if if they're going to have additional costs involved in their business, they have a choice. They could either pass that cost on to the consumer or they can absorb it themselves, possibly, if it makes sense, uh, to keep a price fixed at a certain rate so that they could have a competitive advantage over their 
their rivals. But uh, what we're seeing because of the amount of inflation that has occurred and, of course, because of the fuel costs as well as uh, ongoing um, issues with supply chains, it's very difficult for these companies now to not raise prices on goods and services. And that's what they're saying here is is that uh, if companies continue to raise, as we've been seeing, I think the statistic on this was uh, 70% of companies. Yeah, 70% yeah. of companies raised their selling prices over the last three months. Yeah, and, and that's a high, a 47-year high in mm. the history, the survey's uh, history. So uh, with that being said, we're starting to feel this pressure again, you know, against not only with the companies, but they're passing that on to the consumers. And they're saying oftentimes, of course, if the prices are raised, uh, from the uh, companies to the consumer that it's very difficult for those prices to to drop. So they'll probably be uh, staying with us a little bit longer. And it's interesting all these words sticky now is yeah. the new is the new uh, key you know key key word out there. We hate it, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll have <laughs> you know to acknowledge I mean. it. Yeah, yeah no, I hate that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I, <laughs> I emphasize. No, no, that. no. We got to do it. I, yeah. I had to use the word I hated the other day too, just because it's exactly. so familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Um, but so that's what we're we're seeing here is with the uh, with this cost uh, increase is that most likely it's going to be around a while. So in other words, uh, we might even be thinking about. I mean, with, with these prices, gosh knows with gas. Uh, that's the one I'm I'm looking at yeah. most. Uh, directly. But with a lot of these, John, maybe these prices, are you telling me they might be the new normal? Well, I think for a while until we start to see uh, the cost of these goods going down at the manufacturer's level, right, for the supply chains to be, you know, once the supply chains are back to normal, once we have an abundance of supply of things, uh, and people will not be buying as much. Why? Because the economy is slowing, and people are going to get into that habit of not buying now again. Uh, once that happens, if we've got an oversupply, that's when you see sales. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen for gas. I can't say yeah. at this point. But not but with this administration. Not. It doesn't. It's not seem an that oversupply. Way. No. Right. <laughs> right. Right. But with other uh, goods out there, uh, there could be oversupplies at some point. Uh, and if that's the case, then things usually go on sale. Whether it's soda, whether it's uh, Clorox, whether okay, it's good. clothing, whatever okay, it may so be. So unlike the government, which yeah. creates bigger and bigger budgets uh, uh-huh. for more and more departments, the private sector actually does have a history of when they are in a glut situation, lowering the prices. Yes. And it's like if you had, you know, a thousand cars on a parking lot yeah. and the dealers want to sell cars. Yeah. You know, if there's not a thousand buyers out yeah. there, they're yeah. going to they're going to discount those good. cars. Good. So but it's just the opposite today. OK. All right. Good. Do we need to worry about the other news item that I was kind of interested in, just given my own situation? Mortgage rates rise for the ninth time in as many weeks almost. Interesting. Right. We're, we're really starting to see this. And if you look uh, just year over year, I think uh, the average 30 year fixed, it says, was up to five point three percent for a 30 year fixed rate, yeah. which uh, a year ago was three point oh six. So you're talking uh, not quite a double, but a substantial increase. And that, of course, increases the payment. We've got rising uh, home prices. So you've got a higher home price. You've got a higher interest rate on the loan. Uh, You would think it's going to be pricing some people out of the market. But it seems in this article anyway that people are still buying homes. It hasn't really priced them out yet. So it's interesting what's going on out there, the dynamic. And uh, we'll see if this is going to slow down. Uh, real estate purchases or not. Thank you, John Dobrowski. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FinRen Sipikin, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Have sir. a great one. We'll talk tomorrow. I'm, I'm just, but I, I'm thinking in my own head, I'll share it with you. Maybe a Republican Party slogan for this year's election should be, 
making life easier on Americans, making life a little easier to be an American, making life here in America a little easier. Something there seems like it's become awfully hard under this administration, doesn't it? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602-508-0960 is the number for you to join the conversation or add to it in any way you like. If you are looking for a unique investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out Y-Refi, my friends at Y-Refi. They have become my friends. I've spent a lot of time with them. What they are offering is a fixed, no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a collateralized and secure portfolio. What Y-Refi does is they help people trying to dig out of debt and the right way and doing the right thing in paying off their debts. Dignity is an important word for this whole effort that Y-Refi is involved in with their clients. And their clients see tremendous improvements in getting out of debt, even fixing their FICO scores. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by great people who are doing really well by helping others. And you can too. They're a local company. You can visit them. You won't get a sales pitch. They just love talking about what they're doing. And I don't blame them. What they're doing is, as I run out of adjectives, really great. Check them out yourself at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R E F Y.com. Or give them a call at 855 316 3087. Again, investyrefi.com or call them at 855-316-3087. Make sure and tell them I sent you. I was having um, a small, small dose of optimism about the fact that Jen Psaki was leaving the press secretary's role and going to where she really belonged, which was MSNBC, and being replaced by someone far more articulate, Karen uh, Pierre-Jean. But You know, one of the things that I forgot about being articulate is you can be articulate for all the wrong things on behalf of all the wrong causes. Uh, You can be uh, what what, what's the old Yates line? The worst are full of passionate intensity. Why the best lack all conviction Uh, video uh, has been put together by uh, the folks at um, Oh, I, I, uh, whatever that audio collection group is called. I can't think of it off the top of my hand, uh, off the top of my head. Doesn't matter. Uh, audio compilations have been put together of her over the years as a commentator calling out Republicans for being uh, as not for being calling out Republicans as racist, something like 35 times. It's her go to. I was hoping for something different. I was hoping for something new. I gather that's all they have left. They don't have a lot of brain power. She did not have a good first day today, Karen Jean-Pierre. This is her with uh, Peter Ducey. And we'll see. To Jen Psaki's credit, she did call on Peter Ducey often, often, to her credit. I don't know if this uh, if this new press secretary, uh, uh, Jean-Pierre, will be doing so. Here's Here's the first experience we've had and he's had with her and she with him. Twitter account posted the other day. You want to bring down inflation? Let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. How does raising taxes on corporations reduce inflation? Um, so, are you talking about a specific tweet? He tweeted, "You want to bring down inflation? Let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share." 
Look, you know, we have talked about um, we have talked about this this past year uh, about um, making sure that the wealthiest among us are paying their fair share. Um, and that is important to do, and uh, that is something that, uh, you know, the president has been, you know, working on uh, every day when we talk about inflation and lowering costs. And so it's very important uh, that, uh, you know, as we're seeing costs rise, uh, as we're talking about how to, you know, uh, you know, build a, a, a America that's safe, that's equal for everyone and doesn't leave everyone behind, that is an important part uh, of that as well. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, Having more people pay their fair share has nothing to do with inflationary pressure at all, zero. One of the things I can't do with you for obvious reasons is if you watch the video of it while she's kind of stumbling around on that uh, aforementioned supposed articulate ability, she's, uh, she's leafing through the briefing book to find the right answer for this. In fact, asking um, Peter Ducey when the White House tweeted that out was kind of part of her delaying tactic, but it ain't going well. It ain't going well. Paying more taxes is not uh, – it has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with it. In fact, it could add inflationary pressure if under a theory of paying more taxes you will have more money to spend. If that theory holds, then spending more money from the government is what caused this. It's not what solved it. Bill, help me out with the phone situation. I'm good to go. Rob is in surprise. Hello, Rob. No? Yes? Yes. Can you hear me okay? I can. Yes, sir. There you go. Well, I hope you had a great weekend, sir. I I, uh, didn't read the 180-page manifesto. Were you able to get Um, your hands on it even? um, I looked around, and there are bits and pieces. Right. But what my my conclusion is, uh, he had started off, I guess, when he was like 12 years old as a communist. Yeah. um, And then he uh, decided to become a white supremacist. I also understand he's Jewish, which is kind of odd because he seems to not like the Jews very much. Um, Obviously, he's mentally disturbed, and obviously he's not very uh, very astute. But um, my, my impression was, and again, this goes back to the Rolling Stone, every time somebody says white supremacist in the media, they automatically uh, kick it over as a uh, Trumpian or Republican or conservative, and nothing in this case in particular could be further from the truth. Um, He's obviously full of hatred, um, and that goes back to, um, I I was reading The Hajj by Leon Uris, and it it went into the Arab history uh, in the Middle East and Palestine, and one of the things that I remember from the ending was, you know, one of the old Arab uh, sheiks was saying that the, the Jews are going to win here because uh, the Arabs are all full of hate and the Jews are full of love and the love is going to win. And it did. And I'm seeing, you know, again, a lot of this uh, hatred stuff. And again, people, I, I think the media was just focusing on this whiteness. Last time I checked, uh, Adolf Hitler was white, and he was a white supremacist. And I'm sure that, you know, some of the others like uh, Joe Stalin and and all the Russian uh, people were in charge were were also white supremacists. So I, 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 I take everything I hear from the media with a grain of salt, and I find that they're just 
lying and covering up and not telling Americans the truth about this whole thing. And oh, by the way, they're not they're not even talking about uh, the Waukesha uh, killing with the car. No, right? remember the um, the president couldn't go to uh, Waukesha uh, because, as Jen Psaki explained it at the time, uh, the logistics and materials needed to go there were too extensive. Mm-hmm. So they've obviously oh. put in put that that supply chain together they've obviously gotten that act together so now it's obviously able we're able to get the president um to new york just not wisconsin yeah and again uh, new york has some fairly strict gun control laws but they you can get uh, rifles and shotguns legally and i'm not actually sure which weapon he was using i'm assuming it was probably a rifle of some sort yeah, I mean, I think this. there's something about this story where a lot more is going to unfold, Rob. You're right to put your finger on that. Grain of salt? How about a block and rock of salt? Be right back. Portions of this show are brought to you by the good people at Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies, one daily Dose one daily serving gives you 10 servings of fruits and vegetables, a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables, potent, pure, powerful stuff, 100% natural from the capsule. It's into the contents within it. Capsules easily, uh, if you don't like swallowing them, they're regular size capsules. I have no problem with it. I just don't. Uh, But if you don't like swallowing capsules, they're easily and designed to be opened up and uh, sprinkled into uh, food or drink, if that's what you prefer. But uh, I swear by balance of nature, I hit another personal record this weekend, didn't I, Bill, on my running time? Uh, I attribute it to balance of nature. Um, I really do. Balanceofnature.com for your health, for your immunity, for your energy. Uh, Check them out at balanceofnature.com and make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Wilford Riley tweeted a few hours ago, the near total refusal of mainstream media outlets to honestly discuss a whole range of topics, policing, interracial crime, migration, systemic racism, is the primary thing opening the door for fringe Sources and nuts. To which another great scholar who's been on the show before, an old friend, haven't seen him in a while. Charles Murray wrote, I read this and asked myself, the primary thing? Remember, Wilford Riley writes, the near total refusal of mainstream media outlets to honestly discuss a whole range of topics is the primary thing opening the door for fringe sources and nuts. Murray writes, The primary thing? The more I think about it, yes, it is the primary thing. I think people are starved for detached descriptions of these issues. They know they aren't getting them from the mainstream media. There's an element of this. I myself am not sure it's the primary thing. Um, We have had more honest media in our past, and we have had, though biased, not anything like this level Though biased, much more willing and much more open to political debate 
indeed conservatives on op-ed pages, non-censorship of conservatives because they were conservatives. Uh, we lived in a time where the ACLU supported uh, conservative or even right-wing speech and would defend it. And in those days when there was that, you know, we still had our Columbines. We still did. I don't think it's the primary thing, the media. I think it's a big problem. I think it's uh, whatever the expression is. Is it the 800-pound gorilla or the 800-pound elephant in the room? I've never known. I'll find out. We'll know in a few minutes. Uh, I think it's mental health. I think it's mental health. I think the media contributes to the problem. I think left-wing policies have contributed to the problem. I think re-racializing our country has contributed to the problem. But the primary thing, if any of those things move you to kill your fellow American, I think it's mental health. Unless it's terrorism, it's mental health. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.